The Incomparable Podcast, Episode 7, October 2010. We are back on The Incomparable Podcast, and today we're going to be talking about TV. Joining me here is Serenity Caldwell. Ren, welcome. Hello, thank you. And uh, by the magic of the interwebs, we have um, from the great state of Massachusetts, Dan Morin. Hi, Jason. And John Syracuse. Greetings, everyone. Are you sitting next to each other, or are you in your separate locations? If only. Yes, you'll never know. All we right. could be sitting next to each other. <laughs> All right. I like to imagine it that way. Um, so the the topic is TV, and I think we, we all decided, correct me if I'm wrong, that we were going to talk about the fall TV season. Um, you know, I used to be so excited about the fall TV season when it, when it happened and the new shows that were coming on. And I cannot imagine a, a fall season that I have been less interested in than this one. Um, is there anything for me to be excited about this fall? Well, it's a little weird, right, because the the TV landscape has changed a lot in the last few years. And I think that especially now with the cable networks, we see so many shows that debut out of season, like summer shows, shows that debut debut mid-season, that it's really not as concentrated as it used to be, right? It used to be every fall, you know, that's when the new shows came out. Right. But stuff gets very sprinkled throughout the year now. And so, you know, sure, the the major, a lot of the stuff aired on the major broadcast network still comes out in the fall. But, yeah, it's been it's been a little lackluster, I feel like, this year. I think a lot of the, the better shows that have come out are, are the cable shows, really, at this point. And the broadcast networks have, have kind of put themselves in a strange position where they have to appeal to so many, so many people that it really takes, like, a mega hit to make it. I find it funny that the uh, the broadcast networks still are trying to do something that you could consider to be sort of fantasy or sci-fi, even though um, it, the, I think the, I suspect that the fantasy sci-fi audience isn't large enough to actually satisfy any broadcast network, and yet they still try. Well, I find I find their uh, I find their desperation endearing, though, don't you? Like it's kind of like <laughs> y- the networks are just you know we've got to do something to get people to watch us because we're not cable and we can't curse or have nudity, right? But isn't so it they're, insane? They're trying. Well, they're trying, trying all sorts of crazy ideas, and I, I don't know why they keep going back to fantasy sci-fi. You're kind of right. Like, even if you have a wildly successful show, you won't get enough viewers. But they see things like Lost and say, you know, it can be done, right? That's the dream, you know? Right. It's possible. And the number of, if you look at the movie industry, the number of successful, especially blockbuster movies that are at least science fiction, you might argue, or or fantasy, is actually pretty large. I mean, things like Star Trek and, and Star Wars obviously being, you know, at the top of that list. All the blockbusters, right? All the movie blockbusters. They always have some sort movies. of like sci-fi edge or something, right? So, like, so, so you can't argue, even though people do, that, that the people don't like the sci-fi or the, or, or the genre stuff because those are the huge hits of the summer. But on TV, it it seems like you can't get more than a few million people to watch one of those shows. Well, they like it in two-hour chunks. You know, <laughs> some fantasy thing happens. There's a hero, there's a villain. They fight in two hours. It's over. If you're going to get them coming back week after week, uh, I think people have shown what they want to happen are you know fights between mothers and daughters and unwanted pregnancies and amnesia and all the things you see on like Doctors, shows, shows that lawyers, run. cops, mm. cops that cops cop that shows, the at the end uh, of yeah, the week. murder. I mean, just human drama are the longest-lasting shows with those ridiculous soap operas. The ones that run for like 50 years, being the the obvious example that you can just keep a show growing forever. So. I think the more interesting the story is, 
uh, the smaller doses the public want it to be in, which kind of gets eventually to the whole uh, lost backlash and anger. You know, the uh, funny angle. funny thing is that they've tried to mix them too, right? We've had like space lawyers and space <laughs> cops and space doctors, and those haven't worked either. So people don't even want their lawyers in space. Which wait, I, there were there were space lawyers. I don't remember space lawyers. Were there but, space lawyers? I thought that there was a. Sh- I thought there was a show, wasn't there? Well, it wasn't. They weren't uh, space yes, lawyers. There, there were was. future lawyers, right? Future lawyers. Oh. Uh, was that like Century City? Century City. That's right. God, why do I know that? Future lawyers, <laughs> lawyers from the future, where they're arguing. Well, I mean, it was a clever idea, right? It's like they're arguing cases that you could sort of extrapolate from the present and the future about, like, what if there was a case about clones <laughs> who wanted to be free and not be used as organ donors? But again, that's more on the subjects and the sci-fi subjects than it is the characters. I mean, you look at the. Old Old serials like Flash Gordon and things like that. And I mean, that did kind of have a serial of the week kind of thing that everybody likes so much in stuff like Bones and Castle and the, you know, typical cop dramas. You have the ser- like the, the big sort of action ideas that everybody is trying to cram into television this season. They kind of forget about the human and it, the, like the human atmosphere, even Lost. I mean, the thing that people champion so much about Lost is, ooh, the mysteries are pretty, but what we really theoretically care about are the characters. And I think that plays into kind of... TV's need. <laughs> it's all about the crossover. Four words. Law and Order Atlantis. <laughs> oh, God. Hmm. That's terrifying. Clunk. It'll sell, though. People will watch it. What's the sound effect there? Is it like clunk? Blub, 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 blub. <laughs> yeah. Slow glugging. A slow glugging of death. That's right. Is, the, is there like a fish who's the, uh, the judge? <laughs> a, mer- a merman, if you will. Um, well, I was thinking this like a more justice. woman. And an alligator bailiff. I think this is gold. I think I think the studio should be lining up at the door. Dick Wolf is already on it. He's already printing money, and we get nothing because he gets all the Law and Order money. So, despite this insanity, um, or because of this insanity, there are some genre TV shows this fall. Um, NBC is trying its level best to duplicate Lost, although it, it, its fear is that it's going to duplicate Flash Forward <laughs> with the event. Hey, Jason, what is the event? Um, Unfortunately, uh, you cannot be told what the event is. You, you have you to experience, experience it for yourself. It, yeah. That's right. Rule one of the event is that nobody talks about the event, Dan. <laughs> Actually, they talk about little I, else. I, I don't know. I mean, the event... It do, I, I saw... A, the second episode of the event actually I, I missed the pilot and i saw the second episode although sometimes the second episode tells you a lot because if the second episode pilots can often be good and they spend lots of money on them right and then they do the second episode right. and they have a real budget and they they are a second episode is very always very illuminating yeah and it's hard i mean they tend to be bad even on good shows the second episode tends to be bad because they've got to find their footing as a series uh, anyway i saw it and i i, I just had that moment of like well, my wife just said, this is ridiculous. I'm not watching this. And and I, I was like, well, you know, it's kind of vaguely compelling in the way that I felt about Flash Forward for a while. And then mm-hmm. – but it just seems like it's a smattering of of various plot points and some wacky – I mean there's definitely wackiness. They, they they really downplayed whether it was a sci-fi or not. And and then, of course, at the end of the of the pilot, an airplane disappears through a wormhole. Yeah. Oh, it's, I it's, think it is sci-fi <laughs> after all. Surprise. Yeah. It is definitely science fiction. <laughs> And there are, and there's like a population of 
of people who might be aliens or not. And a, a lot of people jump to the conclusion, oh, they're aliens, but they've got our DNA. They're just slightly different. So are they from the future, which makes it sort of like the 4400, that cable show, which was about people from the future, I think, coming back. Something like that. So uh, have you guys seen it? Have you guys seen uh, the I, event? I've been watching every episode because I'm that desperate for sci-fi and television. And I don't, I don't know why I find myself compelled to watch these shows. Fringe is another one that I guess we'll talk about later. But... I just want to see this type of story on television, and no matter how badly done it is, for example, I watched all Flash Forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will watch it. Um, the event, I think, is going to be another cautionary tale, and it's going to be, it could be like an, a, a prototypical cautionary tale of what not to do when you're trying to duplicate the success for, of a program like Lost, because they are doing all the exact same things you would do if you were trying to imitate Lost. But go overboard. Well, it's got all the ridiculousness of Lost. Crashing well, planet. Match, matched matched with the realism of 24. Yeah, and they put it in the trailer. <laughs> Wait a second. I, forget, I wish I could remember the tagline, but they say something to the effect, the subtext of what the, the tagline is, is, unlike that show Lost, we won't keep secrets from you forever and drive you crazy. We're going to tell you everything up front. So by the third what? episode, they've revealed more than Lost did in three seasons. Right, and I, I think that may be their, their eventual undoing to a certain yeah, extent, like, too. Because you're giving away the questions... The questions on this show could potentially be interesting, except they are answering them really quickly. And I think the one thing that this does seem to lack so far that, that as Ren said, that, that Lost really had going for it was characters. And we don't have that on this show yet. I think there are some good actors, but, like, there are not necessarily well, people – there's not necessarily ones? a character I feel, like, really invested in. Which ones are the good actors? What magical and mythical thing – happened in the first in the first season of lost what could you point to how many sci-fi elements are there in that first season of lost right yeah, there's, there's like, like noise there's, the there's noise yeah. there's there's a monster that might or might not be supernatural and there's lock walking right and there's the polar bear and the horse is that's, that's, not, yeah, but those, yeah. that's, that's just unexplained, a regular but unexplained it's not, is not, but not quite the same as sci-fi yeah. right my point being that they took 22 hours to mostly tell character stories with a little tinge of of you know sci-fi zaniness i'm making hand gestures that ren can now see <laughs> and it's disconcerting when the when the incomparable is not just an audio podcast anyway um you know they have the time with the with the characters and and i feel like these other shows one of the problems with flash forward and with the event is that they don't have enough confidence in their ability to be a good show without all the flash and the bang um and so they they drop in all the crazy sci-fi elements and are missing what i think made lost work at least for some people for a while because um, I know John feels totally ripped off by Lost but um, but they did at least you gotta admit they spent time with these characters and yeah I think that that show does not pay off at all if you're not invested in the characters oh, really. oh totally oh, no. you know totally. That, that's pretty much what the, <laughs> the, the payoff is if you believe there to be a payoff um, and I think that yeah definitely the event doesn't have that yet it really hasn't established a strong case for it going in it does still have some great story hooks i have to say that i think um that you know i've watched all three episodes i guess and the the the, at least the most recent one um the cliff the sort of like last scene that they leave you on is a great scene it just is really one of those sort of whoa what's going on here scenes um 
and enough to like keep hooking you in for that next show. But they'll resolve that, it within the first scene of the next show. Right. They'll be like, oh, it turns out the... this was the case. Like, like I was boggled. My mind was boggled when they were like hinting it that there there may be you know these people infiltrating certain ranks. Like they drop the hint. And first of all, they drop it verbally. They say, hey, you know, they have some guy say on camera there may be you know who knows how deep they've infiltrated. The very next scene, they're like, yep, it's this guy. <laughs> it's this guy. <laughs> you know how long they spent? You know, they spent like four episodes just not revealing who Ben was when he was uh, Henry Gale or whatever. Like four episodes right. of that. <laughs> And this is, you know, they scene. can't even switch scenes without giving away the answer. Well, but don't worry, because they have, like, 50 more questions to pull out, you know? <laughs> but what about this? Okay, we answer that. But what about this? Okay, we answer that. That's, you can't build a show on that. They're going down a checklist, They're copying basically. all the wrong things about Lost. Reminded like, me a little bit of Heroes, actually, which was sort of, um, in its first season, people said, see, it's like, Lo- it's not, it's like Lost, but better, because they are answering questions. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they are answering questions. That's one yeah, thing they're doing. They answer too many questions. Nobody, nobody watches yeah, anymore. I don't know right? where they're going to get any more There's ideas no from, because eventually just becomes ridiculous like three episodes in it's already kind of ridiculous you have you can't name a show the event and then you know you're either going to find out what the event is or not and at this rate we're going to find out what the event is in two episodes and then what are they going to do i guess they'll be canceled by that point but so but you got you sp- talked about the acting you've got jason ritter running around basically saying where's my girlfriend where's my girlfriend you've got blair underwood saying i'm the president i'm the president and then uh you've got laura ennis who i think was cast in this because she sort of talks like an alien <laughs> So let her be an alien. All right. Sure. Oh, Zielko Ivanic, who is my favorite, uh, who's the, uh, the creepy uh, security advisor guy. Yes, that's What's his. That, that's the part he was whatever. born to play. Well, I mean, he played, basically Sweeney, played that part in, in the first season of 24 or 2, I think, or roughly. About that. Some other equally sinister. Oh, yeah. He was the magister on True Blood, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, it's funny because I first saw him in Homicide where he was a good guy. Oh, he's everywhere. And, he's and, just, and, he's but he's almost guys. always a bad guy. And But he was introduced to me uh, as a good guy on Homicide. And so now it's always – I'm always disappointed because I'm always like, he might be a good guy. He might not be evil. And he's always evil. No. And it's too bad because, you know, on Homicide he was a good guy. Well, I do think it's something interesting to be said for the event that inter- – at least for me. I've watched three episodes. I can think of everybody by their caricature, their character archetypes, but I cannot in any way think of their names. I can't think of Jason Ritter's name in the – like his character name. Desperate I think boyfriend. His, I think his girlfriend's name is Lila or Layla or something like that. Lay- but I can't Layla. remember – I can't remember his name. I can't remember the cops. Like I can't remember any – I can't remember the president's name, although I don't think they actually – President they Blair just- Underwood. <laughs> But that's the point. We remember the actors and we remember – I mean if it's a good right. character drama, it sh- you should be able to remember characters' You names. should not have to resort yeah, to television without pity nicknames. This is not a character nicknames. drama. This is like a uh, – it's like a video game where all it is is set pieces and cutscenes. Right. Well, I mean that's, that's the difference, right? gameplay. There's a difference between relying on actors and relying on characters, mm. right? Like – you know, there are solid actors in that show, but they're not playing characters they're that are They're not given any anything to say. They, they get to say exposition and look out and come here and I have to find my girlfriend. <laughs> and then, you know, the people who are given any exp- – there's dramatic scenes between people where someone has information that the other person doesn't want to have and they do nothing with them. Like, think of all the scenes with uh, Henry Gale and Lost where they have this big dance with so many different characters trying to figure out if he's legit or not. That's good writing. That's the way you do that. And this show – it's just by the numbers. Guy goes into the room. I need to know the answers now because I'm the president. I can't tell you. Scene over. Well, that's I, not a show. I think. You know? I, I think. I, I was trying to think about how Lost would do it. And the, the problem is that I think there's also just fear involved in the creative choices being made here because they're afraid they're going to get canceled so quickly. So they're trying trying to make an impression. But the problem is if you if you run that pace too long. 
um, like John, what you said, that they will run out of things to talk about. And, and you know, I, when I think about what Lost would do with something like the event, I think, okay, there's a really great story in these people who were being kept in that camp in Alaska or wherever. Um, and, and, and them discovering that they were not actually quite human and all of that. And yet, you know, that's just tossed off. And then they move on with, you know, more people running through the desert and explosions and car chases and, and people escaping from the police and, and stuff that's sort of your bog standard, um, action device, which is why I think, you know, what they're really trying to do is, is, is do 24 more than they're trying to do lost, which was a completely, although not really a genre show in the sense of, of it being, you know, explicitly fantastic. It was also something that was completely fantasy and couldn't ever possibly happen and was just wall to wall action. The event just really reminds me of one of my favorite sort of apocryphal stories about, about the olive garden of all places, <laughs> which is to say okay. that there's this, this law, this sort of, uh, you know, urban legend type story. I don't know if this is true or not, but I love the idea of this story, which is that they spent, you know, they, they spent a million dollars trying to, to make their sauce, their like red pasta sauce, as bland as possible, so that as many people as possible would like it. <laughs> Which I just, I mean, I think that's that's such a a microcosm of all these issues of we're going to try to make this program as kind of inoffensive as possible in terms of not tr- like riling up anybody or not doing anything particularly innovative, so that people will watch it. Like so that it's not necessarily bad but it's just kind of bland yeah they don't want to challenge the audience that's the thing or lost lost would challenge the audience and one good example of that is they they see that all right lost always did flashbacks let's do flashbacks now first of all they don't they forgot the reason lost was doing the flashbacks was for character development they never do them for character development on the event and second is every time they have a flashback a title comes flying at you mm. in 3D to tell you exactly to tell you exactly okay. how long ago it was, and it gets comical like ten minutes ago, it, it fifteen is, minutes ago, twenty-two minutes ago. That is the you funniest know, thing about that show. It. it is it makes me laugh. It, you could do a drinking game based on that. Yeah. that it, it, seriously, it's like ten minutes before, three minutes later, eight days earlier, four years earlier. Wait, what, don't tell what? us. Uh, Just show us the scene. That's... We can figure it out from context if you write it well. Lost never did that. Lost changed scenes, and you had no idea and when that's it was the until point. the person started to talk. That's the point, you know, though. Is like in a in a show like lost they treated the audience as smart enough as oh if we're flashing to 1944 you're going to be able to tell by the clothing you know the costume choices and you're going to be able to tell because someone's going to drop it in dialogue you don't need to tell somebody by throwing the words at them or or by what they seem to know or they seem to think this person is still alive they seem to not know about x it must be before y like you know just it's the event is so dumbed down that there's nothing left to do except to just watch events unfold. I feel like I could get a synopsis of the event and not have to watch They it. should have just called it Events. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be a good name for the show. A series of events. Events that are happening. Um, okay, so let's move on and talk. Oh, you want, oh you, we want to talk about dumb shows? Because I got one to follow that up. <laughs> oh, okay. Go ahead. I, I have a list here, but you can you can drive is, the car. Is, Go ahead. Is No is no Ordinary Family in, on that In list? fact, it's <laughs> funny that you should mention that, Dan, because I was about to say, so No, no Ordinary Family is another show that's sort of a yeah. bizarre if you want an of, actively dumb show of the yes. Incredibles and um, well, really, the Incredibles is is the is the mode. It's a live action version of the Incredibles, which itself was sort of a Watchmen happy Fantastic Four kind of thing. But again, but it was in fun, right? It had good characters. It was funny. It had something to go for it. Whereas No Ordinary Family, like forget subtext. It barely has text. <laughs> So I guess guess I what? I'm fast. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll, so I watched the pilot and I kind of liked it. 
I mean, let me let me say this. <laughs> Back think, it up, Dan. There, there no, was, come on. No. I can take it. The, Bring it on. It has some of the worst dialogue. Yes. Some of the most like terrible character development. Again, no subtext, no right. nuance. I admit there are a couple things in the show where I thought, usually sort of the twist part. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. That's kind of interesting. And there were some references in there that I thought were good. There were some like comic book the, and, and pop but, culture references that were not yes, telegraphed, the, that were just like, oh, I see what they did there, which right, I thought was smart. The problem with, the, is that what happened? They, yes, there was all they, they were playing with Micronauts. And in fact, the only <laughs> show I can, I, that's made reference to the Micronauts actually is Freaks and Geeks, and for that I will always love it. But no, there, there's like a Watchmen reference at one point that you could you, but the, you have to know the, the reference. But kicks are so much more interesting. But, the well, and, and, the, those... and the dialogue, you're right, is dialogue is on the nose. Like the, the whole point obviously was we're going to write this and the family's going to have some just like the Incredibles actually there's going to be some problems between the wife and the husband and except that it's sort of like I am ha- I am not entirely satisfied in my marriage wife well husband you have issues with me being so such a successful business person you know where it's just like guys come on I mean it's it's very obvious what the situation is in that household and yet you end up with all this dialogue where um, Julie Benz has to explain that she's a very successful businesswoman yeah I got that eight scenes ago when you were w- putting on your suit and, and going to the, the mega corporation and having the meeting but with the boss who's obviously bad. bad when they get into the second episode they literally have like they introduce you know a couple sort of side characters like neighbors who literally have lines like oh I leave my phone on so my children can reach me if they need me <laughs> or wow it must be like they have a, another husband who's basically yeah well someone's got to earn the money for your family or whatever like they literally right they just say spell it, it out, out. They, they li- this is set in an alternate universe where there is no subtext pretty much <laughs> it's just people just say things that they're thinking um you know I, I agree with all of that, and yet I felt much more inclined to watch another episode. I, I When I finished the pilot of No Ordinary Family, I recorded the second episode, as opposed to the event where I finished the second episode of the event and said, yeah, I don't think I'm going to come back here, maybe on Netflix or something. So whatever it was about it, I mean, the, the twist in the, in the pilot, the twist is that this guy, you think that you're watching um, – uh, our, our newly uh, our, our commish our uh, shield uh, yeah, Michael Chiklis um, boy talk I about I, by the way talk about I actors love Michael Chiklis uh, we've got and the shield and Dexter the shield actors yeah. um, suddenly going to a show that's just a bit lighter <laughs> only but a- not, not not only that I mean like I have trouble with the associations with both of those actors just because Michael Chiklis you know I watched all of the shield the shield is a great show it is really hard to see him in a role that is. 180 degrees from that role and of course julie ben's um also playing she was also on buffy too yeah she was darla a, a vampire um yes. and so and was twice that, yeah and of course i like both of those actors i think they're again their characters really have little to do and have kind of no chemistry though i you know i hesitate to blame the after actors since i think they have so little to work with in that script but um i don't know it just but I like that. I, again, I do. I did like the sort of the twist at the end. So, the, so the, the guy that he's powers. fighting, yeah, the guy that he's fighting that you think is just some sort of bog standard robber, turns out that he can like teleport in a puff of black smoke. So he's sort of the nightcrawler analog in this, except he doesn't look like a devil. Um, and, and and Stephen Collins, I know. And Stephen I Collins, love that. That's great. I, in fact, I shouted at the TV when that happened. I said, "No, Stephen Collins, no, <laughs> oh, you're no longer one Decker, with Vijay. Decker is a bad guy. Oh, come on, Stephen Collins. 
Uh, yes. But it's kind of fantastic. I don't know. The thing about an ordinary family is like, it's, it's so cheesy. It's unbelievably cheesy. It and is. It, like, it grates against my skin and my eyeballs and like everything. But at it the is. same time, it's a I'm big like, cheese grater. Oh, it is. It totally, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I could put this on while I was doing laundry. It's a good, like, it's, it's the first couple, well, the first <laughs> couple of at, uh, Castle episodes were for me, which is like, this is cute, but it's nothing special. And I mean, Castle right. did become something more interesting. And I'm kind of hoping, but I mean, the way the writing is right now, which makes me so sad because it's it's Greg Berlanti, right, who's co-show running this. Yes. He did Everwood and Jack yes. and Bobby. And, well, and the, the hope and, – and I haven't seen the second episode, which will probably crush my – crush my hopes but the, the my hope was if you, if you get the balance right you've got something that isn't necessarily like buffy level but you've got the ability to explore kind of you've got uh, like friday night lights you've got a, a plot with with uh, a marriage that's interesting and they've got adult issues and you've got the kids and you've got their high school issues and their growing up issues and and you and you throw this layer of of um of, of fantasy on top of it that sort of heightens everything, and it could be good. But, but there's there's potential. There's moments of brilliance, and especially I know you said you haven't seen the second episode yet, but there is a there is a similar sort of well, I don't know if I call it a twist, but there's something that happens at the end of the second episode that surprised me because it was really dark. Well, there is darkness um, in this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, when the plane crashes in the in the pilot, and they and and the pilot's like, well, the pilot is dead because that's the good side. Yeah, but of they any, kill him in voiceover. Any, any, pi- any pilot that uh, is in a pilot will die that's the rule it's it's the title character from the pilot and the pilot always dies uh, but the, they had the blob i i will say I, i'm getting tired of the conspiracy thing i thought that it was cool that they go to brazil and there's like stuff in the amazon that gives them powers um but it was so obvious by the end of the first episode that so, well the company has a thing in the amazon and uh they 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 know about the powers and it's obviously a conspiracy and something's going on and i thought really a conspiracy, well, whatever happened to cosmic rays? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'd rather it be a fantastic thing that maybe you maybe plays out over a long period of time. I was thinking, oh, well, this is cool. Over over an entire year, they could end up having to go back to the Amazon and try to figure out what it is and what's causing it. It's like, no, they again, they they went right to it in in the pilot, which was I was a little disappointed by that. It's like, do we really need to start eating our own premise while we're setting the premise? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I recorded the second episode, so it obviously did something. Maybe I need to just fold my laundry. Down. Well, I mean, the thing about this, I, I watched the second episode. And the second episode, again, the writing, just as terrible. The cheesiness, probably, there, there's, a, there's one point where the husband and wife are in bed, and it's like, tell me your three favorite words, or something like that, or my three, three favorite words. And the husband's like, you were right. And then they do the I love you. And it's just like, it's so painful. But, um, I mean, the cheesiness aside, there are moments of brilliance, you know, petered by minutes of tedium um and it, i mean it, it all works out i i feel like i i can still watch it especially with like the last 10 minutes of the second episode which as dan brought up it's like okay there are compelling things you're not afraid to put characters in danger like that and i'm like all right um as long as you can stop stating everything of like no subtext what's that it has the glee problem maybe, maybe <laughs> i can maybe i can forgive the lack of good dialogue and uh, because it's an attempt to kind of explore characters in a way that I couldn't forgive the event for taking its characters and basically making them little play, little pieces on a game board that they slide around. That maybe I'm, and maybe that says something about me that I was actually more willing to forgive the show with the bad dialogue, even though I, I recognize that it's bad dialogue and I don't like bad dialogue because I like what they were trying to do and could see some potential in that. Where the event was just sort of noisy and um, and full of little 
kind of puppet characters. Well, at least they're trying to make some kind of character as opposed and to... I, and I would... And I, I like the scenes where, the, you know, especially in the second episode, there's some really good scenes where, where Michael Chiklis's character, whose name I can't remember, Jim or something... Um, Mr. Incredible. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> tries oh, to figure so, out sort of how his powers work. There's an interesting, so like, that sort in the of pilot, realistic approach. Talking about the, the, the references, I mean, I, I felt like there was a Watchmen reference in the pilot. I thought that there was a Tick reference in the pilot. I thought that there was an Invincible... Invincible? Yeah. No, not invincible. Um, unbreakable reference mm. in the pilot too. So um, I did feel, and, and so maybe and because I love, I love unbreakable. Like reading into that, or if I just it, it may be well because, because they're all they're all superhero stories, right? So maybe I'm just reading into it. But but uh, my larger point here is that as somebody who loved the movie Unbreakable and loved the Incredibles, I do have a soft spot in my heart for a, a show that seems to essentially be viewing those kind of stories as the model here. I mean, in some ways, this well, is... And, and Heroes had a couple moments of that in its first season. Right, before it went off I the mean, map, I mean, I think yeah. there, was, there was a great scene where, where Peter, where Milo Ventimiglia's character, tries to figure out if he can, if he can fly by, like, trying to jump off, like, a, right. like a monkey bar in the, the p- playground. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. right. Which is, and he just falls on his face. Anything like that, I just, I, I love those. Maybe I mean, it's kind of a sucker for Pratt yeah. Falls, but, but I just, I think it's fun. Yeah. This has a couple of really great ones in the second episode. Yeah, so, you know... I don't know what that says, John. I, I, I think you might want to give it a try just because you are so hungry for this I mean, stuff. Uh, I, I set it up to record just because I saw the ads, and, and uh, The Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie. Unbreakable is my favorite M. Night movie. Uh, I'm with so you I'm there on both set, of those. I, I'm all set to, to like this, but I have, a, I have a low tolerance for schlock in shows. Uh, there are very few shows that have tr- made that transition from, like, schlocky silliness to drama like Buffy would be one example where it kind of starts silly but then they start cranking right. up the, the drama later on that's why I Most still have some those, hope for No Ordinary Family is if yeah, they can make that, that turn yeah. that transition is really hard to make like oh, yeah. I, I, Heroes was always dour from the beginning that was the problem with Heroes like they had one good season up to the end but they were just always took themselves so seriously except for Hero so right grim. H- Hero was the only good in the first season like Hero's story yeah. was, was hilarious and light right. and funny and self aware and the rest of it, it was, was the same dramatic crashingly dead him. yeah but so, uh, so I think so No I'll Ordinary Family badly needs new writers. Maybe they'll get some new blood as it progresses if they survive long right. enough. Right, and yeah. if they so figure out what they are. Who gets canceled first, the event or, or uh, No Ordinary Family? I think No Ordinary Family gets canceled first. Uh, that I mm. would agree it's more likely mostly because of that No Ordinary Family is on ABC, and ABC is doing better, and NBC is so desperate that um, – uh, they, and the event ratings aren't so bad that um, I think NBC has shown that they'll let something ride for a whole year. Whereas if No Ordinary Family, I think it's too early to tell. But if the ratings keep dropping, they'll replace it with something else. I mean, their ratings haven't been bad, especially going up against Glee, which is a big thing. Right. Well, we'll see. so we'll I mean, see. We'll see. But I, I think just playing the odds, I'd say that the show on NBC has a, a, a greater likelihood of staying around just because they're hoping that it'll it'll catch fire and they've got nothing to replace it with. NBC is a bit content laughing at the moment <laughs> yes uh the 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 sad little peacock um and they're going through they're also also going through a an executive transition mm-hmm. right now yeah, so <laughs> so so yes there's a merger and jeff zucker is leaving and they've got the new guy in charge of programming and so they, that may make it unsettled as well um so so let's move on. I actually wanted to talk about Fringe a little bit, which came up earlier. Um, Fringe, which is not new, but is back for its third season on Fox. And I'm just going to go out and say it. I think Fringe is the best sci-fi show on TV right now. 
I think I think every season has improved. I am shocked like, at how much better it has gotten. In fact, oh, the end of the, starting at the end of the first season where they really you know started doing mythology stuff. Yeah, um, and then they you know they had a couple one offs in the second season, but also some really great episodes in the second season, including the the retro episode, which yeah, was, was just. That was fantastic. They did it. I mean, not only just whatever special effects they used to make John Noble look 20 years younger, um, <laughs> but they just did a great job. And it's a show that's managed, I think, finally managed to find its footing. Well, and there's a show that, that cloaked its super science fictional premise inside a more comfortable premise. Now, the comfortable premise was like the X-Files, right? It was like weird things are happening and they investigate them. But in the end, it turned out, no, this is a show about parallel universes uh, clashing with each other. And they well, took a year to get there. Uh, that's what I would like the show to be about. <laughs> at the end of the first season, I almost stopped watching it. And then they said, no, yeah, that, that show that they had at the end of the first season, that's the show I want to watch. Yep. So I went to season two. Is that going to be the show or are we going to go back to Monster of the Week? And, like, they're always on the line between – I mean, I have to be honest. They're not going to make me stop watching. But Have you seen, I, this, I have a have you seen this season? Have for the show. Yeah, I've, I've this watched This season's episode, pretty much a clear – I mean, it's a parallel right, universe show right, if ever there like, was one. But you don't know if they're going to resolve that in three episodes and be back to Monster of the Week. But you, I mean, do you all agree think, with this analogy, though? Fringe just X-Files as the event is to Lost? <laughs> I mean... I, I was never pretty, an X-Files fan, so I can't speak to that. You were uh, never, uh, I, you're off the podcast. I try, That's it. I, <laughs> this podcast is over. Um, I, I, uh, I love the X-Files, although I, I grew to... Uh, hate it actually toward the end because I felt like they really squandered. I, I thought they were much better at the standalone episodes than the mythology, and that the mythology murdered that show, which is too bad oh, because the, I, the, I did the love. Mythology did eventually kill it, but they had. I think they had six good seasons of X Files mythology yeah, before I'd, it was I, went off the rails. I'd say about so five and a half, four. Well, and a half, but um, but yeah, but I, they're but similar. The, the upside fringe is fringe that. is the X Files with the serial numbers filed off. Although I think that was a feint, right? I think that was they were trying to make you think it was just the X Files and it was something a little different. But yes, it is the spiritual successor to the X-Files. But, no but doubt. I think but in terms... it, it, it's, it has weaker characters than the X-Files. The X-Files had two characters. No, you no. Knew where they stood and oh. they changed over time. Right? See, and it was okay, just those two what, people what? and everyone else was a cardboard cutout. In Fringe, it seems like everybody is kind of semi-cardboard. Like, for example, no, I do not I, buy the romance plotline. Does anybody oh, here like, completely buy I, that? I, I think that's a disaster. I think they should never have made that mistake and I think that one of the reasons they did it is because they felt like they were going to switch the Olivias. They knew they were going to switch the Olivias from the different universes. Yeah, and they wanted not working. and they wanted to have that sort of like oh he doesn't know who he's sleeping I with know, kind but, of thing because like, they were much like better as a brother and sister kind of yeah pair. it's like watching brother and sister kiss when they're like I know no it's creepy them. versus the X Files where you totally bought the tension between the two of them right and obviously they stretched out too long and did the moonlighting thing with it and everything but still you bought right. that tension from episode number one right but, but I'm not but I, I'm these, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that I think I like the fringe cast of characters better not necessarily first off I think that um, what what we've seen with Olivia is that um, she was put in the position of ha- having to play the serious FBI agent for a while, and her character was pretty boring. And I feel like this season, especially, we've seen that the actress is quite capable yeah. right. of, of well, because having her play two characters really does show that she, yeah. like, you know, she's got some talent, and that it's just more a function ness- in some ways of that character. Right, the character had a role to fulfill actress. to be the Fox she chose Mulder, to right? play Olivia in that monotone kind of way, though. And I think that was kind of like I don't know if they directed her to do that or that was her choice 
choice for the character, but it's like, geez, can this can this this person is pretty, but can she act? Well, but and she was filling that. Bizarre Olivia, she does fine, but then the old Olivia is still boring. I don't know. It bothers me. I think she's less boring than she was, but I but I think the writers realized that she was fulfilling that Fox Mulder kind of role, and she she was supposed to be serious and skeptical, and I think that's one of the reasons they added her sister and her sister's daughter was to try and give her more give her things. A lighter side. Yeah, give her more well, things to do. Some, she needed some emotional distress, and I don't think like Scully had emotional distress from her cancer and from like you know just worrying about if things are real or not and i don't, I don't know maybe julian Anders is a better actress but i just bought yes. it more for I bet, her doing the same thing i think she is but i i think that that olivia you know is uh works a lot better but but my my broader point was that now i'm I, i'm gonna call him joshua jackson but really at home he's pacey um pacey, yeah, I, I think i think pacey peter is uh, I think that's a fun character. I think he's really good, and I think and, I, I and, like that. And John Noble, I, like I think, as Walter, John is fantastic I mean, Walter is, too. Without I, without Walter, that show does not work. I, I think Walter is practically a separate show. Like he is a different show. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I would can watch put him sitcom, in any show, and it's fine. A sitcom that's just about Walter, like bleep my Walter says. I don't. And know. you know, Lance you know, Reddick like, is doing his own. thing, and 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 you've got um uh, now I can't remember her name. I'm gonna Broyles. Broyles is is kind of wasted there, especially after seeing him in The Wire. He comes into a He's glowers. doing the same he's thing, right? Sick. They don't give him anything to do. No, no, he's 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 I I like watching him when he's in it, but he sort of doesn't have anything to do. It's true. He's the, no, the wire. I mean, he was so good in the wire, right? And we all no. know that guy can. Although act. I don't know, I, I, just, I would compare him favorably with Skinner on the X Files. Well, they're fulfilling the same role. Really, they just come into the scene, say something gruff, and leave. But right. X Files at least found something to do with Skinner the, eventually. They're like, all Skinner became a conflicted character, and Broyles so far, well, other than evil Broyles, is not conflicted. Yeah, they're all Lieutenant Castillo from Miami Vice under the skin. <laughs> Little James but Edward James get, Olmos um, there for you. Keep me informed, Tyler's and Crockett. Well, keep me informed. It's nice. To, it's nice to have. I mean, I think they've had a, a pretty good luck in guest stars and 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 other you know sort of guest actors. I mean, Leonard Nimoy especially. I thought I just yeah. really enjoyed Leonard Nimoy. And I, yeah, my favorite scenes with him. But- Maybe, but the scenes with John Noble, the, of the second season, him and John yeah. Noble have awesome chemistry. Yep. Like the scenes where they're in the parallel universe and they're kind of like talking and bickering, I right. thought worked to a T. Like perfectly yeah. established the dynamic between these two characters, who of course, you know, I always thought was funny that, you know, blatantly have the same initials, you know, are clearly sort of the two sides of the same coin um, character. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. I I've been very happy with it though. I, I was saying this to my wife after the we watched the second episode, I think, of the of the this season of Fringe. I said this show has gotten so much better, and and you don't usually see a show I think go from being kind of you know watchable. I, I watched the whole first season, and I never really. I was like, yeah, okay, uh, it's kind of interesting, just barely enough to keep it going. And um, and then the second season I thought was better. And this third season, I have I, the last two episodes or the first two episodes of the season. Just I'm so impressed. I love the fact that they can tell stories on both sides of the universe with the same actors, more or less. So you've got well, people playing different aspects of themselves with storylines that sort of intersect but don't necessarily have to. And I think that's great. I, I hope that they keep that going for. A I watched while. an interview um, with some of the cast and and creator people sometime over the summer or something. And they said, you know, basically their goal is to, if they said something like, if we can get you to care as much about the people in the alternate universe as you do about, you know, the people in the universe that we started with, that is kind of what we were shooting for. Like, you know, we want to get to the point where it's not just, oh, these are the bad guys, you know, from the other universe. We want to get to the point where it's like, well, we can kind of see the perspective of both of these. Well, people. I mean, from their perspective, right, their universe had like a hole blown into it. And, and our characters that we've been told are our friends that we like to follow every week are at fault. 
and so that you know they view this as being their you know they're striking back against against this oppressor now they're 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 uh their actions are sometimes questionable, but I think that's an interesting point about at what point do you, uh, you know, what's justified as a reaction to something that has blown up buildings and killed lots of people? I mean, are they justified? Is is the alternate Olivia, uh, who you can call Folivia or Bolivia or whatever else you want to call her, you know, she she takes that guy and she kills him because he, she's got to erase all the all the. Uh, you know, information about who's getting that box in the second episode, right? Well, that's, you know, cold-blooded mm. murder to shut somebody up. And, of course, presumably the Walternet has just done some horrible things on his side and sent all these people over to our side. And yet the justification is that not only does he have this personal vendetta, which is that his son was stolen, but that they stuff is, like, blown up and people have been killed. So I, I think it's fascinating to think that maybe our guys, our universe, more or less, is the, uh, is the villain in this. From well, their perspective, he's also making a doomsday machine, and it's kind of hard to paper over that one. Oh I yeah, mean, no, he's the ba- he's well, the bad guy here, right? We're told it's a doomsday machine. Well, well he's the, whatever think, it is, he's clearly they're clearly painting him as evil, and it's going to be tough to redeem him. No, they, they, I don't think Olivia, he'll be redeemed. I think you're, you're on even ground with those two Olivias because they act in ways that are understandable. And, and the rest of the fringe team, I think, too, but but not not the alternate. No, he's bad. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me yeah. if we find out that all of these terrible things that happened in the alternate universe are the result of alternate trying to get. His son back, and not because right. of the original breach, but we'll see. It's interesting. Well, I mean, I, I kind of hope that you know. It reminds me this sort of the beginning of this third season reminds me of one of my favorite arcs um, from sci-fi television in recent years um, on a on a show that otherwise uh, kind of went off the rails, which is the third season uh, occupation arc of Battlestar Galactica, um, which right. was a fantastic arc. But I see it, John's point about the. Will they stick with this plot line, or will they go back to sort of the formulaic monster of the week? I mean, uh, Battlestar Galactica went out on a limb and tried to totally sort of reinvent itself, and did a fantastic bit of work in creating a you know a great sort of parable, basically for our you know the, the war in Iraq, essentially at that point, and then basically solved the entire problem in like six episodes. It was like, all right, back to the spaceship. Let's do this. And that, for me, is where that show right. like, totally the, lost The it. difference here is that, that what they've set up with the parallel universes is their premise twice instead of what Battlestar Galactica was, which was a totally different show. And I did love it, and I thought it was really interesting that they did it. But this is a little bit more comfortable, I think, of a resting place to have sort of yeah, two I think, teams I think two there's universes. a solid argument to that idea that it's a Trojan horse, right? Like that this is, uh, you know, that they started out with the monster of the week stuff to build it into a mythology show and i'm glad they're actually doing that and it, you know uh, i think this is why I, I stick with so many shows as long as i do because i keep thinking well okay there's some you know there are hints that there's more going on here that there's interesting stories to be told here but we just have to wait to till the show is established enough because it's hard to like delve right into a mythology show right you know unless you're the event in which case <laughs> go for it but planes no, wormholes respect the I kind of respect Fringe for that first season because I was on the edge of not wa- or, or just being totally disgusted with it until that final thing, and it's like, you, you know, they planned that, right? So it's not like they just thought of it at the end of the thing. Like they spent an no, entire no. season, an entire season of a show, 
building up to essentially their premise. They didn't even give you the premise until the end of the first season, and and they hit you with the big hammer of like, not only do we have a really awesome premise, but here we have this horrible, horrible event of like stealing your son from another place, and the main character you've been with isn't even from this universe and stuff like that, and he feels terrible about it. It's not played for laughs. It's serious. Like that was a big payoff after like a long lead up. It's like you know, and those, I think uh, they did they did drop just enough. Like every time they did an episode, yeah, yeah, had, like, little the observ- tiny bits. observers and stuff in it. Like yeah. those for me, that's why I kept watching. Yeah. Like, oh, right, but it, there's something but interesting. It still going could on. have been lame. It still could have been like, yeah, so what? Pattern observers, ball guys, whatever. Like you didn't care until the character drama came in, until you realize his son died and he stole him. His son is not like he's sitting him sitting by the grave. That's the best scene in the entire first season. Like that just like nails you, right? Is that and, in the know, first season or is that being, in the? Yeah, it's the, it's it's the first the, season. It's the you finale. Being upset yeah. like, to Peter's not grave. Wacky, you know? I mean, they they dropped it pretty heavy before then. Like there are definitely a lot know, of hints but they, in like, the first they season. They confirm it. They sealed the deal. Hit yeah, me. and the yeah. best thing was seeing Walter, this character who is either crazy or zany, just totally break down. And it's it's a way way you're not used to seeing a character that you've come to care about and realizing that that he kind of deserves a lot of the insanity that he got. Maybe you know what I mean? Like that was a big big payoff. Uh, what X-Files used to do was do the arc episodes at the end of the season and the beginning of the next, and they would just do four bookends. They'd do two episodes, and then two episodes, and then back to Monster of the Week, well, and that infuriated everybody. Next, that's the Star Trek Next Generation mm-hmm. approach. Right, right. Yes, gonna... yes. Oh, I was just saying, it's interesting, because I've seen, I've seen one of the Monster of the Week episodes of Fringe in, the, in its very first season. I haven't seen anything else, and now you guys talking about it has made me kind of curious to go back. And you, you should now, check it out. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm wondering, should I start you. with the yes. first season? Do I start <laughs> yeah. with the second season? Is there... No, no. You, I think you have to. I don't know. I'm a complete. I'm a completionist. Usually, yeah, I would say start at the beginning and go through. Yeah, because it, 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 knowing that there's going to be some payoff, pay yeah. right? <laughs> They're easy to digest too. Like it's another thing where. Oh yeah. You know, the Monster of the Week episodes. You know what's going to like? They go by the numbers. Like this, there's, there's a, a strange thing that happens. Like just like Law and right. Order, they find a dead body in the beginning. Right. Somebody's heads you know, are exp- investigating. People's heads are exploding. My favorite oh, comment. Yeah, you know, by halfway through the first season, is one of my friends who uh, who watches this show made a tweet about something like, "So I guess I should stop getting attached to." All these characters I see in Fringe before the before the title <laughs> yeah. sequence, huh? Yeah, but the way my wife puts that is, don't they watch the show? Don't they? Don't go in there. Don't they know that they're on Fringe? <laughs> they're going to die if they go in there. If you if they only watch the show, they would know. Um. Well, we've got a little bit more time. Oh, oh! Before we go, Zeppelin watch. By the way, alternate universe in Fringe has Zeppelins. Has Zeppelins. It's lousy really? with Zeppelins. That's you how you know. An alternate universe without Zeppelins. There are probably Cybermen in there too. Probably. Because alternate universes with Zeppelins. There's actually another good show, uh, or at least I, I am not a Battlestar Galactica watcher, and I have to preface it with that. And I've never seen either Battlestar Galactica, which may make me a horrible sci-fi fan. Oh, that original but, is yes. really awesome. <laughs> we have, we have a non-X-Files watcher and a non-New Battlestar Galactica watcher on the sci-fi television I know. Podcast. It's it terrifying. Is shocking. It's really terrifying. We, it ta- we take all kinds here, John. We're, I we're a big tent. But, Apparently, I'm going to come on the Comics Cop podcast. Next we have time. no standards. <laughs> but um, in any case, I started watching Caprica uh, when it premiered in January, which I'm is, wa- I guess, I'm watching that too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, I, I fell asleep there when you mentioned Caprica. Ah, uh, that's terrible. No, I mean, I, I watched it, but accurate. I knew I knew it was a prequel. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Shoot no. It down. No, I mean, I, I knew it was a prequel to Battlestar Galactica, but I had no idea what they were to other than I know there are things called Cylons. And that's all I knew going into this. And actually, first couple episodes of Caprica are slow. They are very, very slow. But at the same time, oddly intriguing. I mean, it's very it's a very political show. It's, it's political sci-fi and it's about robots and then the creation of robots and... 
I mean, Jason's looking like no, he's no, going to explode. I, but. No, no, I, I, I watched the first four or five episodes yeah. of that. And I, I, I found it kind of fascinating intellectually and yet um, very, just very slow paced. And, you know, I'm not asking for planes to go through wormholes in the end of the first episode. <laughs> I just, I, I wasn't quite sure where they were going or or what they were doing. And I'm not sure they did either. And, they, yeah. and there's so many yeah. different moving pieces. I, I will say, I think them coming back to it, which is, I guess, this is episode 10, but theoretically it's supposed to be the second the start of the second season or season 1.5 yeah exactly yeah. they they've named it but i mean it was very very slow i watched maybe the first 6 or 7 episodes in one chunk when i was sick one at like one point but at the i'd say at episode like 8 or 9 it starts to pick up and you start kind of getting all of these plots kind of intertwisting and now like with the opening of the set this the entire the entire show is really based around the concept of, you know, what if we can bring sort of the soul of a person into the digital world and work with it? Like, what if that can be a pseudo afterlife? And there's a whole like religious aspect and the religious aspect is starting to take out more of more of a main focus in this second half of the season. I don't know. It, it really piqued my curiosity and it's not necessarily my favorite sci-fi show on television because there's still, it has problems, but I, I definitely like, I, I have it on my list and I'm watching it regularly and I'm, I'm intrigued to see where it will go. Assuming it lasts longer than this season. <laughs> yeah. I'm not well, sure. I mean, it's been on for a long time already. I'm surprised that it wasn't canceled already. Well, they, they, fringe, they shot it, these it 20 episodes, right? They shot the 20 oh, episodes. Yeah. And, and I was going to say, yeah, they didn't like uh, Fringe went through an entire first season, but paid off at the end. And, and it seems like Caprica came and went on break without paying off anything. So I was like, "Well, that's it for that show. I guess it's been canceled, and I'll never see it again." And they didn't even have time to pay off. But now it's back. So maybe at the end of the twenty, it'll they'll pay off on yeah. something. I, I, I suspect so. I, I think that the ratings have been so um, lackluster that they decided they'd stretch out the time, and then that would give them more time to decide if they want to bring it back. I'd be surprised if it comes back, just because it seems like it's not. Uh, really catching on, but you never know. Um, I I just couldn't watch. I mean, I felt so so angry and badly burned by the end by the last season of Battlestar huh. Galactica. Yes. I just I'm just yeah. I'm anymore. just yeah. I'm just super there's, I'm super angry and sad. There's about a whole podcast well, to be I, done about but that. But I don't hold the grudges though because I like the, the first few seasons of Battlestar Galactica. I like and still have fond memories of the program because of it. Just because they screwed it up at the end doesn't make the. Uh, I, I the more I looked, it's one of those shows that I look back. And and it really ruined a lot of the earlier episodes. There don't are really vengeful. good episodes in Just there. Just pretend no, those there are really episodes good... don't exist. No, but see, even in the second season, there are still some terrible, terrible episodes. Well, everybody's like allowed one or two just... bad ones. It's like the Star Wars prequels. Just pretend they don't exist, and you have a much happier life. <laughs> hey, I heard the other day that Ron Moore may be rebooting Wild Wild West, so I'm willing uh... to give that a shot because I do like Ron Moore. And if you want to see a good Ron Moore show, albeit one that also doesn't have an ending, Carnival, Carnival. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I intentionally didn't start that because I heard that it died before it ended. Well, so speaking of of shows that um, that I think are are encouraging, um, it, I'm going to throw out Stargate Universe, which I'm so woefully behind on now. I'm like ten episodes behind on it, but the it, it's I think it actually gets hampered by the fact that it's a Stargate show because it's so unlike. It, it really is like the weird stepchild or offspring i guess of battlestar galactica and stargate because it's much darker stargate was this bright and shiny 
first five seasons of Stargate I love because they're just they're they're happy, friendly, go through this and explore new worlds kind of stuff, and then they kind of disappeared up their Richard own. Richard Dean Anderson, that's all. Richard yeah, Dean Anderson, I love. Yeah, yeah, those first five years, and then he kind of like goes in the background in their government conspiracies and became the X Files, and it was a disaster. Um, so this this new show is um, saddled with that history, and yet I thought was pretty good in trying to be different in that the pilot doesn't end up with a sort of reset where everybody's happy and ready to go on adventures, that the problems put out in the pilot take you know, episode after episode. I think they finish the pilot not having air or water or food, and then the first episode they've got to try to find a way to get air, and the next one is try to find a way to get water and try to get food. And Hey, Battlestar Galactica. And yeah, well, in, in, in and uh, – Un- embracing unlikable characters, the lead character in Stargate uh, Universe is Robert Carlyle's character, and he's a he's a jerk. Um, so I I think that show is um, interesting, although some for some reason not gripping enough for me to actually have kept current with it to the point where I'm yeah like a half a dozen episodes behind now. And I like John is John Scalzi is the is the um, the science He's consultant for that, or story consultant, yeah, and, and I can sort of feel that too because it's it's outsized. It's not you know kind of hard sci-fi realism, but there's some some character realism and there's some um, resistance to sort of the standard kind of sci-fi show plot device where you hit the big reset button at the end of every episode, where you get the sense that this is kind of a meandering story, and there's characters who aren't likable and ones who are, and they're changing over time, and you know, I, I, it's not a I, anything I'd say is like a, a grade A kind of show, but I, I'm encouraged by it because it. I, I fully expected to hate the pilot, and I ended up watching whatever eight or ten episodes of it, and not not feeling bad about it because um, I thought that was kind of well, intriguing. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think that's what it really comes down to is not so much that we we all necessarily get invested in genre shows so much as I think you know for the most part I think. The people who like genre shows tend to cross over pretty well with people who like shows that have those non-resetting plots, that have a longer build, that have characters that develop and change over time. And I mean, I, would, I guess that, I would do make that, that argument. standard shows don't, right? I mean, one of the things about genre shows is that because they're not set in a real universe, there's like chance for things you haven't seen before that, um, you know, I don't need to see another cop show or another, even space cops, quite honestly, or space lawyers. But... Um, <laughs> You know, I I, I want to see something but new. It's not just that. Like, you can have a good cop show. Like, The Wire, for example. Sure. You can have mm-hmm. a good cop Absolutely. show that's about people who develop over time, about challenging questions that really, you know, tries to build something. In Rather than showing you a 45-minute movie every week, shows you a, like, rich story, you know, series that builds over time that really uses TV as its medium. Uh, and I think that's that's really what... A lot of people, you know, I, I know we're sort of focused on geek stuff here, but I think I, I like that idea of, you know, really good television being something that uses that this medium, this serial, serial episodic uh, storytelling to its fullest. And, like, The Wire is interesting because it is such a, you know, cop show. That's, that's a pretty well-trod uh, convention there. And by simply being uh, more true to what real human beings are like, it defies the genre conventions of the cop show, right? So sci-fi has, you know, even more conventions. Sci-fi, just is, there's like a rote convention for how sci-fi is done. And so when you get a sci-fi show, it can rebel against the conventions of regular TV. It can also rebel against the conventions of sci-fi. And sometimes just the, the sci-fi conventions rebel against the conventions of regular TV. So when you have something with people who are acting what you think like real people would act like, 
and defying multiple conventions at the same time is just incredibly interesting. And we'll, we'll, I think that appeals to geeks the most. They want to see something they haven't seen before, and, and that's a great tool to do it. Sometimes the sci-fi conventions um, go right. They leave the convention center and they attack the Renaissance Fair that's on the <laughs> other side of the street, too. That's a like few, season two of Heroes. That's a, is that a Heroes? Is that a Futurama? It's, 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 it's Futurama. I, uh, but. Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> sorry, the sci-fi conventions. I, I, I was picturing something else there for a second. But I think you're right. I, I, um, and, and I like that when uh, I see a sci-fi show. Like I said, with Stargate Universe, the thing that pleased me the most was that they didn't take the easy way out with this predicament. Yeah, I thought it would be Gilligan's Island, right? You know, you, you, well, we've got the shipwreck episode, and then we will place them in a state where – I know what you're trying to do there. Uh, we we'll place them in a state where it will just be repeatable and it will go that way forever. And that's not what they did. And I was like, aha, this is interesting. I will watch more of this now because it subverted my – uh, my expectations of well, that's what good, I thought. because otherwise it becomes Lost in Space or Star Trek Voyager right. or yeah, Star Trek Voyager. Thank you. Yeah, premise. yeah, exactly. Star Trek Voyager is a great example where it's like, no, no, this is going to be different. And yet, at the end of the episode, everybody had their the you know the ship was fine and everybody had their clean uniforms and all the rebels had joined up with the crew and then it stayed like that essentially for the entire run of the show. Which and that's why I stopped watching very <laughs> yeah quickly. exactly. All right. Well, I think we've uh, done enough damage for one podcast. Um, I hope that we've uh, given you some ideas of things that you could watch out there, dear listener. Or not watch. Or not watch, as the case may be. Oh, I think we've done that, done that here uh, on, the, on the podcast, too. Hopefully Serenity will go and, and watch some Fringe now. I'll add it to my ever-growing list of television that I need to catch up on. All right. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Those DVDs are available for for many of these. Um, All right. So that's it for now. Thanks to everybody out there for listening to the Incomparable Podcast. I'm Jason Snell, and I would like to thank my fellow members of the podcast. Uh, Ren, Serenity Caldwell, thank you very much. Thank you, Jason. Dan Morin. Thanks, Jason. And John Syracuse, thank you again. Pleasure. All right. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Law and Order Atlantis, coming this spring to NBC. Visit us at www.theincomparable.com.